Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. We are your fearless hosts, Bucks and Brian, jumping on to record this podcast in what's going to be two parts. We are recording tonight, which is Wednesday, following the conclusion of 90% of what was a massive double game week 36. And we will jump on tomorrow for part two, following the North London Derby and in advance of double game week 37. This is a massive point of the season, a massive turning point for many, Brian. How are we doing? Buck, some of us are flying. Others are still waiting to make it into the other manager stratosphere. But I have to say, this has got to be one of the most impressive turnarounds I've seen a manager have over the last, I would say, four or five game weeks. You were nearly 200K. And after today, a huge captaincy hall. Bucks, you got to be vibing. How are we feeling? How are we feeling about this KDB? Kevin De Bruyne, he hits the ground running. How are you feeling with all of those points that I don't have? Uh, it was it was a beautiful thing. Uh, both of us, uh, we should mention, used our first free hit chip. And this was a great game week to do so, especially if you were like both of us and brought in the likes of Kevin De Bruyne. He absolutely smashed it. He had four goals and one assist in this game week. And Ooh. he he could have even had more. He had 30 points for FPL managers who did not captain him. And it's insane to be slightly greedy uh, and say that honestly, he could have had six goals. He could have had three assists. Uh, <laughs> they just, the table was set so well. And he was there uh, vacuuming all those FPL returns up uh, for managers like both of us who had him in their team. Yeah, I know bucks. We have a, another big game tomorrow, Arsenal and Tottenham. We can't wait for that one. North London Derby basically being rescheduled from earlier in the year at a perfect time, but let's just, Tell the listeners how many points you're on before that game and who you have left. And then in part two, you can recap it all before we head to game week 37. Sure thing. Great transition. So I'm currently sitting on 140 points, uh, massive score. Pretty proud of that. Oh, baby. And uh, as you alluded to earlier, I am on another huge green arrow. I'm currently sitting inside the top 50K. I'm at 46,000 overall, and I still have Sun and Niketia left to play. So really this whole game week came down to who you brought in and who you captained. And KDB proved to be that dude. He had 30 FPL points, as we mentioned, and I brought him in and I captained him. I was pretty definitive on that move. And I never wavered. I had Salah in my free hit team. And uh, really that's the knife edge of this game week, because if you had Salah captain and you didn't have Kevin De Bruyne, you might be looking up 60, 80, even a hundred points at some other FPL managers who got the selection, right? Uh, like myself. And so this day, double game week, really, we predicted it was going to be the largest one of the season. And it came even bigger than we expected. I mean, this is like a porn star level explosion uh, in double game week 36. Uh, with oh my that- goodness, Bucks. Bucks, this is one of the largest swings I have ever seen in FPL based on the field, top 100K, top 10K. Effective ownership for Salah being captain was easily 180% in the top 10K. And I was a sheep. I went with the herd. I was trying to protect my potential best overall rank. And I actually moved from the KDB cap to Salah cap the night before. And that's the problem with tinkering, over tinkering, overthinking it. 
but I have to commend you. I mean, 60 whopping points from KDB. And I think just looking at their loss in UCL and then them snapping back into reality, defeating these teams, putting up five plus goals in each of their two games. I think it's truly incredible that Pep has got his team motivated to, you know, take down the premier league and, uh, you know, come back stronger next year with a certain Norwegian beast who will be coming into the side. Yeah. And uh, oops, there goes gravity because uh, as you mentioned, they snap back to reality, but they were pouring on the goals. Their goal differential is soaring. Like there is no gravity, like we're in outer space and you know, you teased it. You're on a great score as well. You're on 106 so far. You still have Sun, Niketia and Sokka left to play. Uh, We should mention Sokka right now has a flag. He picked up a little bit of a knock and he could be questionable for that North London Derby. So we're both on big score lines, but the breaking news for the FPL game and for the Premier League is not how big the FPL game is scoring in double game week 36. It's the news of a certain someone who's going to be joining the Premier League next season. That is Erling Holling, young starlet coming from Borussia Dortmund, signed, sealed, and soon to be delivered to the Etihad for Pep and Man City. Uh, They are the top scoring team in the Premier League without a true number nine striker. And holy cow, they went from having Sterling to having Erling as the new striker position. (laughs) I love this move. Talk about an upgrade. Holy cannoli. I mean, and and he's got what, maybe 12 full inches on, uh, on Sterling. I mean, this is a huge signing for City. They obviously have the cash behind them to go out and sign a player like this. They've been playing with a false nine for basically two full seasons now that Aguero has left and he was injured in much of his last season at the Etihad. So this is an absolute game changer. This kid is 21 years old. He's going to slot right next to Foden for an amazing duo and building for the future next to, again, your other players all over the, all over the pitch for Man City. This, this, this is a, a, a very exciting FPL moment as well, because we have not, really had a dominant striker this season. We've seen Ronaldo in patches and then also Kane in patches, but this is a guy that could really turn around um, and turn the game on its head where we have a lot more variety to choose from. So we're excited to see when those price tags get released. And it's just a cool story to see, you know, Erling come and play at Man City where his father, you know, had 45 plus caps uh, with with Man City. So it's a, it's a good story and just good timing for him to take his career to the next level. And he will be at the Etihad for the next four or five seasons. Yeah. And worth mentioning that he's kind of coming on the cheap, uh, relatively speaking, he's much less expensive than Lukaku and what Kane was reportedly going for. So uh, to get him for under a hundred million, um, I mean, great, great business from Pep and from the whole Man City board. And it's just going to be amazing to see how he can fit into the system and just kind of slot in the goals because he's going from uh, one, you know, very talented offensive team to an even more talented team in a better league. And we've seen some Bundesliga strikers and attacking players struggle with the transition to the more physical and more deep league that is the Premier League. But I think Holland has all the tools, all the ability, all the talent to make that a seamless move and city just pour on goals, whoever they're playing against. So if they're going to have even more goal scoring talent in their side, look out the rest of the league. Holy cow. Yeah. And this gives the likes of De Bruyne, Bernardo, Grealish, 
Foden. That gives them a huge target to put on a platter to score goals. And the only thing that's going to hold back Erling is his uh, injury history. Obviously, he's a big lad. He's going through massive growth spurt over the last five years, and he'll you know be in professional development in the weight room with their training staff to make sure that he's you know fully fit. I think that's the one thing that we've seen him uh, come in and out of the side at uh, Dortmund, but. Given that he has had a goal involvement every 73 minutes for club and country over about four or five seasons, it's truly incredible. And he is a machine. So we're excited to have some video game type of highlights flash across our screens next season. Yeah, and City are really looking to complete the man, the myth, and the machine with uh, the addition of Holland. They're going to have, you know, Pep on the sideline. They're going to have KDB in the center, and then they're going to have Erling Holland uh, with his beautiful blonde locks as just uh, crowning above all the other defenders uh, waiting to put the ball in the back of the net. With that, let's get to our first break. When we come back, we'll recap some of the big scores in double game week 36. All right. Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. We're going to go through a quick or somewhat uh, in-depth recap of double game week 26. Again, this is the creme de la creme of all game weeks, we were expecting huge hauls, you know, 150, 200 points potentially. And it kind of got off to a slow start, but Man City, they were some of the stars of this double game week. And I think we should start there, Bucks. Their performances versus Newcastle and versus Wolverhampton today, they put in 10 total goals. And this was a double game week fixture that many of us targeted. And if you had KDB, you know what? They scored 10 goals. KDB goes big. He had four goals and assist. He had the bonus points. He ends up on 30 points. But you know what? His linesman, who's been kind of in a bad way recently, Raheem Sterling, he's been missing out. He hasn't been converting. He also went absolutely berserk in double game week 36. He ends up with 28 points. He ends up with three goals and assist, a clean sheet and five bonus points. And he's owned by less than 2.5% of the FPL game. So, you know, talk about, talk about some razzle dazzle right there, Bucks. That, that is impressive. And he's the type of player that really has an incredible ceiling. Um, You know, neither of us went for him on free hit because we knew KDB was the one for us. But if you had one of those rare managers that, was on free hit and went, you know, differential and with Raz and KDB instead of owning Salah, whoo, you would be easily at 150 points. So well done to anybody who had Raz this week. And then elsewhere across the board, we had a mixed bag of returns from the defense. So uh, Laporte and Cancelo both get 14. He ends up with one clean sheet. Unfortunate for him. It looks like he got ran into a tripped player ends up falling into his planted leg and he has to leave early in the second match against Wolverhampton. That's going to be a real blow for city. If he has to miss any serious time and also a blow for many FPL managers, as he's been a discount differential darling uh, compared to his linesman Cancelo. He's the other one we should shout out. He also ends up on 14 points, two assists and a clean sheet. Uh, and you know what? They also lost Diaz. And I think we were both hard done. We punted and went for him instead of Laporte on our. Oh, and uh, he gets an assist to the Laporte goal, uh, but then he has to come off injured. So uh, both Diaz and Laporte looking like they are going to likely miss the remainder of the Premier League season, which is a huge loss uh, for the city clean sheet probability for sure. 
Yeah, just to get out the world's smallest violin, I had have owned Laporte, I think since like game week 24. I've had him for a very, very long time and scooped up a lot of his six to nine pointers. But I overthought this one. I went with the differential in Diaz. He was coming off a 12 pointer and on free hit, I went that way and then ended up uh, maybe influencing your decision to join me on the Diaz train instead of Laporte, who had had one shot in five game weeks. So very little. Unfortunate that Diaz, his shot got blocked and then rebounded to Laporte in the opening fixture versus Newcastle. That easily could have been a uh, a goal for Diaz, but whatever. It is what it is. You know, 10 point difference on one of the few calls that uh, we both got wrong this game week. But elsewhere, I think that when we look at these next few games, you can't ignore City. I think they're fully motivated. You know, they they definitely mentally have turned it around from that UCL loss to Madrid. And they're probably going to have to outscore teams in the last two fixtures because of their defensive um, kind of back line being decimated at the moment. So I fully expect to see three to five goals versus West Ham and versus Villa to end the season. Yeah, and it's just worth mentioning that they have motivation to put out their best lineups because this is the only trophy they're still in it to win and uh, right now they're in the driver's seat so with that let's move on to talk about Liverpool they are now in second place and still have a lot to play for and they also had what was supposed to be a massive double game leak but never really took off in uh, any yeah, real do, way do they have a lot to play for does Klopp know that does does Klopp know he has to start Mo Salah, who's going for the golden boot and going for the, the quad? Oh, this was a tough game week, Bucks. Obviously, Ooh, we both kept spicy. Salah. And yeah, I'm a spicy tomato. I'm a little, I'm a little irked. I'm a little jerked uh, by Mr. Mo Salah. I was very, very surprised to see him benched in the second match versus Villa. They had rested him a couple games before that. his, his um, second benching in the last three matches uh since the champions league uh victory uh, against villarreal the way that klopp is utilizing his whole side i mean it's very interesting to see Salah get rested once again he doesn't get the minutes that many fpl managers were expecting or relying on and he also rotated Robo twice uh he got half rest plus a full rest so uh klopp definitely doing some uh kind of four-dimensional chess whereas our fpl brains want him to just be playing checkers yeah very interesting i wonder if anything behind the scenes is going on with the negotiations between salah's agents and re-upping at anfield i wonder if if that could possibly be uh, a reason why he has played a few less minutes recently when the title is still in the uh, the swings. But honestly, he's played so much football this, this year between AFCON and all of the other competitions. He was probably due for a rest a few game weeks ago, and it's just tough to see this happen in a double game week where the vast majority of us capped him. Uh, with that being said, there's just less pressure on the entire Liverpool attack right now to have Salah in the squad because Diaz has come in and he's just been an absolute gem of a player. He's the future of Anfield and he has really hit the ground running bucks. And I know that was a big reason why you went out of your way to select him instead of Rabo or Matip as your third attacking player. And he ends up on 15 points, one goal, one assist, three bonus owned by less than 5%. Kudos to you bucks. You nailed that one. That was a great, uh, throw of the dart on the dartboard right next to the bullseye. Well done there. 
Yeah, he was a great differential punt this game week and kind of fortunate. Honestly, the scoreline is a little flattering. I mean, that goal that he had against Spurs was a absolute devilish deflection. Uh, it could have gone anywhere. It could have killed one of the spectators at Anfield. Uh, you didn't know where it was going, but it ended up in the back of the net and he steals. I mean, they all three bonus they points needed off it, that. They needed it so badly too, because they were basically going to relinquish the title in that moment if, if he doesn't come through with the goods. Um, so it was a huge performance by Diaz and he's clearly part of their preferred front three. And I expect him to start the champions league final. So one to monitor when we're kind of building our teams and thinking about players that we might, might want for the, the run in here, but a uh, very exciting player. We love watching him. Uh, I will say that Matip, my boy, another cheap center back on one of the top defenses. He comes through. You love him. You again. love these center backs. I don't get it. Uh, they, they're not exciting high upside players, but you've been just having the magic touch selecting the right guy at the right moment. And Matip, he was it for Liverpool in the defense this game week. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad because I cheated on Laporte who is finally got, got his goal as well. But you know, these, these sub 5.5 million pound center backs who start almost every game, they're great value. And, and that's what FPL sometimes is all about is, you know, having those premium players who you can captain, but also those reliable players who are on the top team. So I'm really happy that, uh, you know, Matip delivered for me 11 points this game week and he ate up some bonus too. So, uh, and that was, again, he missed the first game. Uh, it was, he's played 18 out of 20 premier league matches and he missed the first leg versus versus Tottenham versus Tottenham, which was kind of confusing because uh, we think that Kanate is going to start the FA Cup. But regardless, good performance from him. 11 points. I will gladly take it. Let's keep it moving, Bucks. Let's talk about the Chelsea Blues. What are your thoughts here on our performances? A player overlooked by many, and we certainly gave him zero chance to put up a massive scoreline. Let's start off with the way Lukaku had performed this game. Yeah, he he gets the starts. He pushes Havertz to the bench and uh, Tuchel really got it right because Lukaku looked incredible. He looked rejuvenated, rested, revived, whatever word you want to use. He looked it and he looked the part. He scores a brace uh, to open up against Wolverhampton in the opening match at Stamford Bridge. Uh, unfortunately, Chelsea really screwed the pooch. This was a classic Lampard era game where they just have the Ugh. game in total control. They can't get the ball in the back of the net. Then they get a little sloppy and they give it away. And they really gave away the three points against Wolves. Wolves get a late 96th minute extra time equalizer from the head of Connor Cody to level the game at 2-2. And yeah, very frustrating match overall for Chelsea. Uh, but Lukaku looked great for sure. Oh man, this mother bleeper, Connor Cody, he comes in with some random goals. This is the most goals he's ever scored in his career uh, this season. And he he definitely stung us. I'm not going to lie, Bucks. I was, I don't know what I was doing, but I actually walked away from the TV in 95th minute. I was like, this is locked up. And I came back no more than two minutes later. Uh, to see just utter disappointment. So that one was tough. We saw, um, I think from a, you know, spectators perspective, there was a little blow up with Alonzo and Tuchel at halftime of that match. So many managers were kind of a little confused if he was going to start today as well, but Alonzo, James Rudiger, they all start and they do the business versus leads. And we put up another three goals and Lukaku, once again, looked fantastic. He had a goal ruled off 
which was a, a great touch over the top of the goalkeeper, a chip with maybe his left foot that ends up not, uh, you know, gets chalked off from VAR. But other than that, you know, him, Pulisic, they look very, very, um, very impressive today. So good to get three easy points, especially when Leeds just, I don't know what's happening in the locker room. I think Marsh has done a decent job, but some boneheaded red cards being given away. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The problem with Leeds is they just don't have enough senior players. The real issue is that they are bringing in guys off the street out of their academy. If you're fit and you can run for 90 minutes, you're probably playing on Leeds team. If you live in somewhere within the city of London at this point, they're just desperate for bodies. I mean, they lost Luke Ayling from a really silly red card, unnecessary straight red card against Arsenal in their first match. And then again today, Dan James, what was this guy thinking? That was like a career ender style tackle. Both his feet studs were facing up, facing up at Kovacic when he took him out in midfield. I mean, it wasn't even a necessary tackle, either of those. And uh, deservedly, they both got straight red cards. So they're now going to be down to 10 total fit first team players. And that's it. They're not going to have any other guys who have ever started a Premier League match. coming into their final two game weeks where they really need results to avoid the drop and avoid relegation. So, I mean, kind of golf clap for Chelsea. They beat up on one of the bad teams in the league right now. Um, But, you know, credit to Lukaku, 19 FPL points, Mason Mount, who did the business for 13, Reese James did the business for 13 and Pulisic also comes off a long bench spell and, uh, he looked fantastic. I think he's probably going to be the preferred starter uh, for the remainder of the season um, as they figure out what they're going to do with him because he's a player who could be leaving in the summer transfer window. This is a great opportunity to potentially boost his value on the trade market or, you know, he's under contract still. So maybe he's someone we want to keep if we can fit him into the preferred system under Tuchel long-term. Yeah, looking at Reese James and Alonzo, Alonzo ends up on seven points. He gets a clean sheet today. But finally, the managers and owners of Reese James can rejoice. He did not get a one, a zero, or a two. He has a big haul today with a clean sheet and assist and bonus points. So that was a big swing. I know you and I definitely skirted him on free hit, but those who had you know, had him for a very long time. We're excited to see that haul. And the only disappointment from Chelsea for owners were those who kept Kai Havertz, who has lost his spot. Again, he had a really nice stretch, maybe three or four game weeks ago, but looking at his missed chances and the fact that you have a hundred million dollar player in um, Lukaku behind him, waiting in the ranks to get some minutes. um, It's good competition for the spots and just a bad FPL outcome for the owners of Kai. So it is what it is on to the next, but I think it's time to move Kai on. If you own him, definitely try and fit a double game week player in from 37 in that slot instead. Perfect transition. We're going to skip talking about Arsenal and Tottenham for the most part at this point in time, we will come back in part two after the North London Derby and wrap up their performances and outlook for the rest of the season. Let's take our second break. When we come back, we'll talk about the bottom of the table And finally, we'll get to double game week 37. All right, I'm done looking for scraps underneath the bottom of the table, Bucks. There are some teams who are still fighting for relegation battle 
relegation spots. What are we thinking here, Bucks? This was a huge bench boost game week. So hats off to those who use their bench boost because we had some clean sheets from the likes of Watford, Leicester, the likes of Everton. Holy moly. Where do we start here with some of these bench boost heroes? Let's start at Watford with Ben Foster. He's been a kind of great budget keeper option all season. And, you know, Watford were absolutely flying behind the fact that he got 14 FPL points for his his managers who have been loyal to him or have him on bench boost. Uh, you know, Watford dropped the opening match to Crystal Palace 1-0, but then they are able to get a nil-nil draw against Everton in the second match. So a massive result for Ben Foster owners. I mean, Watford, they have nothing to play for. They just brought in their fourth manager of the season, officially, uh, news that broke today. But they're they're going down. They're getting relegated. So uh, Ben Foster is really the only bright spot right now on that Watford team. Yeah, looking at the other goalkeeper that did the business, Jordan Pickford. Wow. A very impressive performance. He's trying to keep Everton up by his lonesome, his energy, his organization of the back line helped him lead to two clean sheets. And so he ends up on, I think, 12 or 14 points this game week. Very impressive. We talked a couple episodes ago about who we thought was going to be relegated. And since I bet that Everton were going to escape relegation. They have been a team transformed. They are motivated not just (laughs) by Bucks, but also by Frank Lampard. And it's really the defense that is leading the charge right now. And that was true in this game week. They stole a victory against Leicester 2-1 in the opening match, and then they get a single point. Uh, So they end up this double game week with four points, massive result for Everton. I think they are now safe from being relegated. And Really, it all comes down to their defenders who each had massive contributions for FPL. Michael Keane ends up with 15 points, two clean sheets, three bonus. Mikalenko, a budget darling, 14 points. He has a goal, a clean sheet, and he's less than 1% owned at 4.9 million. Holgate gets 13 points, a goal, clean sheet, and a yellow card. He's 4.2 million, under 2% owned. And last but not least, The man at the back, the man between the sticks, Jordan Pickford, is on a tear. He ends up with 12 points, a clean sheet, and two save points and two bonus. Worth mentioning, in his last three matches, he has 10 points and then two six-point returns. So he is the best goalkeeper to target in double game week 37, bar none. I think it's not even close at this point in time. Yeah, he's in such great form. So those of you who are on free hit for double game week 37, you can almost consider a double up in the Everton defense. They're going to have two fixtures at home where they play much better at Goodison and Pickford in goal at his price tag is a great shout. And then Mikolenko, I think he's pushing forward quite a bit and he had a sensational volley goal, uh, his first in the Premier League side for Everton. So those are some good outfits. You know, I was a owner of both Gordon, who I benched, and then Richarlison. Richarlison taps in a uh, assist in the first game and had a couple of good chances. Foster denied him on a great, uh, great save. That really was a big swing for me because I think that would have put Richarlison on a goal and straight into the bonus. So uh, that, that one was definitely tough to see, but Everton definitely a team to target. And we'll talk about them in double game week 37 coming up. Yeah. One quick thing on Everton, they have a terrible contest in game week 38. So I would be only bringing their players in if you are planning to 
sub them on your bench for game week 38, or if you're free hitting in double game week 37. Otherwise, they are probably in a void uh, for all other FPL managers as they really have a tough match in 38. Uh, lastly, we should just touch on Leicester. They split their double game week. They, uh, you know, they lost to Everton 2-1, but then they uh, just escaped with three points and the clean sheet against Norwich. This match was much closer than I think the score would indicate, uh, but Vardy really flattered uh, the Leicester team. He puts up a brace and gets three bonus for 14 points, and Barnes ends up with two assists and a clean sheet for 10 points, and Schmeichel, who was both of our uh, double game week 36 keeper. He ends up with a clean sheet and one save point for eight points. That's respectable. Uh, I think Lester also, uh, they no longer have really anything to play for other than uh, respectability. So uh, a lot of punts uh, on this side, uh, potentially in double game week 37. Yeah, great to see Vardy back to his partying ways. We've missed him all season. Obviously, he's growing a little bit old in the tooth, but he just oozes class. He's obviously a, an out-and-out out number nine, and when he's in that squad, he just knows how to time all of his runs and to get on the end of assists from the likes of Barnes and Madison. So great to see him come back. I don't expect him to play both matches in double game week 37. Um, again, we'll run through those top players to target in a little bit, but great to see him just uh, celebrating once again. And Madison comes back on the side after a little bit of a hip injury. He adds a goal as well. So he's having a, a very solid season for his 7 million pound price tag. So um, defensively, you know, eight points from Schmeichel. I'll take it and uh, see you never. That's what I think. Uh, Aha, very true. Hit. Very true. All right, let's get to our last break. When we come back, we will dive into the players to target and the teams to target in double game week 37. Double game week 37, double trouble. Let's talk about the players to target bucks. So a lot of managers will be on free hit in double game week 37, but this is a rare double game week where you want to have a lot of coverage of some of the top flight teams in the Premier League because they have easy fixtures. So rather than having 11 double game week players, we want to focus on some of the core double game week players, but then also the likes of Spurs who are playing Burnley who have no center backs, by the way, and then also Liverpool, who play Southampton. So those are two of the premier teams playing really bad oppositions in bad form. So Bucks, where do we start here? Where should we take it from the top? Maybe start with Villa? Yeah, let's start with the teams on double game week. That includes Aston Villa, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Everton, and Leicester. So five teams will double in double game week 37, much less exciting and exhilarating than the 12 teams that doubled in game week 36. And also the caliber of side that are playing in these double game weeks is much lower than the likes of Man City or Liverpool or Chelsea or Spurs or Arsenal. You know, these are really mid to bottom half teams um, for the most part. But the reason that a lot of managers in the FPL game have saved their free hit for this cause is because a lot of these players are differential and are low ownership players in the FPL game. And they're going to have two bites at the apple to get returns. So let's start with Aston Villa, the best team of the bunch, I would say, um, from a fantasy perspective. And that's because they have two home matches First is against Palace, and the second is against Burnley. So I would really only be focusing on the strikers and the wingbacks 
from Aston Villa on free hit. Uh, I would probably lean Danny Ings at slightly more expensive than Ollie Watkins. He's 7.7 million, Watkins 7.5, 7.4, depending on whether he price rises or falls this evening. And the reasoning for that is because Danny Ings is finally healthy and looks like he's clearly in form and the preferred option he's going to be nailed for Villa in the remaining matches. And unfortunately, Ollie Watkins had to come off slightly early uh, in their second match against Liverpool. He looked like he stepped on Virgil van Dyke's foot and then had to come off with a noticeable limp. So he is currently flagged and is a question for Gerard and Villa going into their double game week. And the other two players is going to be Matty Cash and Lucas Dean. I think the only reason I would go Cash over Dean at this point in the season is as a punt because Dean is 0.3 million cheaper and they are both bombing up the field in uh, common commonplace. They're getting inside the opposing box, throwing in crosses. Uh, I would say I wouldn't be expecting clean sheets. I'd probably be happy with one out of these two matches, but I would expect that Dean and Cash are both good for an attacking return against these two sides. Yeah, it's a bit of a conundrum for those owners who have Coutinho, who has unfortunately blanked in his last eight games. So in the first leg of the double game week in 36, we saw Buendia come in for his spot, and he had a sensational game. He has goal and assist, I think max bonus points for like 14 points. And then, um, you know, Gerard puts Coutinho back in to face his former team and they played really well versus, um, you know, versus Liverpool, but they did not get the result. So it's a very tricky situation. If you own Coutinho, I think you just have to hold him and reluctantly start him um, again. He's didn't play much football until he moved over to Villa. So I think some of his fitness having started all these games could potentially be in question as well. So if you have Coutinho, you probably have to just hold him. Uh, it's definitely tricky. What are your thoughts there, Bucks? Yeah, the Coutinho, he's not on our short list for a reason. I would be holding him, but I wouldn't be buying him, and I probably wouldn't be selling him either. The issue is that Villa have a wealth of young midfield players that are creative players. So they have they have Ramsey, who's currently with a knock. They have uh, Traore. They have this other guy, uh I can't, I'm not even going to try and pronounce oh, his name. I'm going to butcher it's it like, so badly. Like, I know it's like Chumba Wumba. Like Ch- I, Chum- I no Chumbal away or something who got the, yeah. who got some minutes. <laughs> I mean, they have eight guys for three midfield spots right now. And Coutinho, he's only on loan. He's not a long-term uh, acquisition for Villa. Actually, Bucks, breaking news. They actually just confirmed that Coutinho has signed a deal with oh, wow. the villain. So he will be staying. He signs a deal for, I believe, I think the loan becomes permanent for 21 million hmm. uh, from Barcelona, Barcelona. Wow. That actually is, is that very, in- yeah, that's, yeah. that's very interesting breaking news. I actually think that changes my feeling um, about the last three matches for Villa, because if he's going to be a permanent squad player, then they want to be kind of tightening the screw now in advance of next season. So I think it's more likely that he will start now all three matches. So uh, he would, he would be my probably my third or fourth target. He wouldn't be my first choice. Let's move yeah, on. Let's go with the, what's let's, let's go with the wingbacks, you know, a double up on a free hit. I've seen in quite a lot of community teams in the FPL uh, Twitter sphere. So a double up with cash and Dean could be uh, a route to points. So let's keep it moving bucks. Let's talk about crystal palace because they have Villa and Everton two away games, but 
Mr. Wilfred Zaha, this is your time to shine. He is in really solid form, and he's playing a lot of his minutes just up top, out of position. 6.9 million, and he's putting in the goals because he's also on pens. What are your thoughts on Zaha as a potential replacement for any any number of midfielders, really, at that price tag? You can fit him in very easily with one transfer. I'll be honest, I'm actually weighing up taking a hit to bring him in and hoping to strike gold since I uh, will be free hitting in 38. But he also plays Manchester United, his former squad, actually. So he might turn the screws against the uh, United team. And I don't know. I think he's really a great shout for potential goals. I, I know he's having one of his highest goal scoring seasons so far. Yeah, he's having his best season uh, of his career. Most goal involvement, most goals scored. He's 6.9 million. I think he is the best double game week player to target for 37. He would be a must. Oh, wow. If I, if I was free hitting, I would not be setting up a side without Zaha. He's affordable. And I feel like he was just rested. So he's going to be game for both of these matches, if not all the remaining three matches. Outside of Will, I think there's a couple of injury concerns right now in the Palace side. Uh, Gaita is now flagged with a knock, and we saw uh, his backup, Butland, come in and get a clean sheet. So now, you know, is Gaita going to get minutes in the remainder of the season, or is he going to be shelved uh, to preserve him for next season? Uh, Joe, uh, yeah, Bucks. I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I mean, we have to resurface it. You did recently. I think take a hit to bring in Gaita preparing for double game week 37. So this is unfortunate because I could actually see him playing one of two. So you probably just have to keep him and, and play him, but maybe we'll get some team news on Saturday and he'll be recovered from his knock, but elsewhere, you know, Anderson is definitely a player who is nailed on that side. He's had a couple of nice assists um, pushing the ball up from his center back position. And then I know Mark Gahey is, I think also knocked, but he's, uh, you know, in potential for some England caps this season. So I think he is also kind of 50, 50 at this point. So really not many other players that we would target from crystal palace because they have a lot of attackers and wings, you know, Elise say, uh, as a, we don't really know who's going to play what minutes. And I know both of you and I, we have Mateta sitting on our bench and he is not going to sniff my starting 11 this week, unless there are massive rotation, uh, concerns. Yeah, so great shout uh, about Mateta and some of the attackers. I think Gallagher would be the other player I'd want to own from Crystal Palace, uh, but he's also kind of off the mark uh, recently. So he's been in a run of poor form, but he's the most involved player in the middle for Crystal Palace. He puts in a shift and he will be a Chelsea player next season. So I think if I was going to be on free hit, I'd probably want Zaha and either Olise or Eze as a punt. Uh, I would be skipping all their attackers. They're not locks for minutes uh, and probably their defense. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to keep a clean sheet in either one of these contests. This is Zaha or bust. Let's keep it moving. Everton. So they have a great double. Both of their matches are at home versus Brentford and then Palace. So this is a bit tricky because Brentford has been playing well. They just uh, smoked 
whoever they played where they, they play Southampton. Yeah. They beat Southampton three zero, a very convincing result. And they're, they're surging to end the season in a good way. Uh, and Tony is really uh, emerged as the player. We all hoped he would be uh, not quite at the level for FPL, but he's having a great season. He's the third highest uh, FPL scoring forward player. So uh, he's wow. been impressive and, you know, for Everton, they're, they're now safe. I think they can exhale a little bit. However, they're in front of their home crowd and that crowd is a 12th man on the field. They really have an amazing environment and they're so much better at home than they are away. So I expect that there's going to be at least one clean sheet uh, between Brentford and palace. And because of that, I'd be targeting Jordan Pickford as the easiest guy to bring in from a Everton side. He's 4.8 million. He's probably been their best player all season, uh, let alone in the last couple of game weeks. Otherwise, Richarlison, he's he's a little bit tougher to fit in and he's 7.5 million. He takes PKs. He's coming off a little bit of a, a knock, but he seems to be fit. It's a tough one to bring in if you're not on free hit because they have a tough match against Arsenal in 38. Arsenal likely will need to win that game and Everton seem like they're slightly safe uh, from being dropped to relegation zone. So uh, Richarlison and Pickford would be the two obvious choices. And I think one of Mikalenko or Keane or Holgate uh, can help you round out a quality free hit side otherwise. Yeah, great shout there, Bucks. I think Richarlison being on penalties, that takes his game to another level. Again, he was very, very close to also uh, scoring a goal versus Watford. Foster had some heroics, but he's he's a great choice. I think between Zaha and Richarlison, those are going to be two of the most popular transfers in for this double game week and potential captain shouts. So keep an eye there and it depends on how you can fit into your fit them into your team. So lastly, let's talk about Leicester who play at Watford and at Chelsea. This is a bit of a mixed bag because we have no idea what kind of lineup is going to come out for Brendan Rodgers and the Foxes. They've been rotating five to six players on a consistent basis in the Premier League as they were hoping to win in Europa. That actually never happened. So at this point, I would probably stay away. I think Madison is one of the highest class players that they have who will be playing both of these matches. Um, but it really just depends who's playing up front. You, you don't know if it's going to be Daka, Iannaccio, or Vardy. Obviously, if Vardy was super fit and hadn't had an injury history this season, I would like him as a really differential punt. But I think the only player that has that high upside is Madison because he's also 6.9 million. Anything else here to say, Bucks, on Lester? Yeah, he's just their best player and he's now rested. So I think he'll likely start both matches. I think the safer bet is to skip Vardy in double game week 37. Potentially, he could be a great differential captain even in game week 38. So uh, just something to uh, earmark for Leicester. Uh, they've had a relatively poor and disappointing season. So I think they're just ready to hit the beach and get done with it. But uh, that Watford match, uh, you know, I think that was supposed to be a cupcake match with a new manager coming in, probably their last game in the Premier League for at least the next season in change, let's say. Uh, so I think that is going to be a tough contest. And I think you mentioned Leicester could be a complete stay away. I think both Burnley and Leicester are complete stayaways for me uh, going into double game week 37. Oh yeah. Burnley play at Tottenham and at Villa. They have no center Yuck. backs. Uh, Vague horse plays like 59 minutes to get you one point. 
Cornet had, did have a goal in this past week, but you have no idea what's going to happen in front of uh, goal for Burnley. So stay away from them. But let's transition into the single game week players, Bucks, because I think any free hit will want to have a couple of the top shouts from teams that are in form. So managers will have a tough choice between the likes of Sun, Kane, maybe Salah, Mane, KDB. You know, how do you fit a few of these premiums into your side and who do you rate uh, most highly to get FPL points this week? Yeah, that's a great question. I really think it all comes down to City and the calculus has gotten a little bit easier since we know that Laporte and Diaz are no longer options. Uh, so you're going to be wanting to have three City players. I would say KDB and Cancelo probably locks to be two of those three. And I would consider maybe going differential with Raz Sterling uh, as your third guy or Phil Foden. Uh, he's a little bit cheaper and easier to make way for. And I think maybe you think on skipping Mo Salah if you're on free hit uh, and you need to rise rank. He's out of form. However, they are playing against Southampton, who are arguably the worst defense at this point of time in the Premier League. They totally have nothing to play for and they're showing it. So I think... Easy captain would be KDB. He's in the best form of any player in the world. Sala is a bit of a punt maybe in double game week 37 with only one match against Southampton. He's right now has the captain armband for my team as I will not be free hitting. And uh, it's between him and Kyungmin Sung on my team. So I think Sala could be a differential. He's been the most underperforming player of his expected goal involvement for the last eight games uh, in the premier league. And he's still Ooh. averaging almost eight points a game that he starts. So uh, he's been very impressive, very consistent this season. He's not going to set the all-time record most likely uh, for FPL points in a season, but he's still having a dream season and he's, he's an incredible FPL asset. So that I'm just going back to old faithful in Mo Salah. Yeah. Mo Salah, it really depends what happens in the FA Cup, which again, that will happen on Saturday versus Chelsea. So we'll have a good idea of any players who play an extended amount of time. You know, for instance, if that game goes into extra time, they'll play a full 120 minutes potentially. So keep an eye on that. And then just keep an eye on the lineup and what subs happen. I think Mo Salah, again, he's failed to score in 12 of his last 13 club appearances and the only hall coming versus Manchester United, who let's be honest, everybody hauls versus. So that's not that Ouch. impressive either. Um, so I, I would definitely look at potentially, again, going without Salah on free hit as a way to make up ground. And because we're seeing the points really be spread out between Mane, Salah, and Luis Diaz at the moment. So I think you can go without him and fit in your free hit team, Kane, De Bruyne, and Son pretty easily. Uh, so that that's something Great that call. I would consider because all of the other assets that we talked about um, in our kind of double game week 20, 37 preview, they're all sub 7 million. They're like 7.5 million to, or less. So you can easily round out your team with six or seven doublers and then have four elite um, top level fantasy picks elsewhere. Yeah. If I was free hitting in 37, my midfield would probably have Sun, Kulisevsky, Zaha, KDB, and then I would have to make a serious call on whether I was going to go Salah or another Man City player. And that's really how I would line it up. I think that I would expect with the teams that have double game weeks in 
game week 37, that a lot of the single game week players with favorable matchups or on the best teams are going to outscore them. So I think that uh, we've been rewarded by going free hit in 36. I think a lot of the FPL managers that only have one remaining are going to be free hitting 37. And let's see how it goes. I think it's going to be much more of a mixed bag than some of these triple digit scores that we're seeing in double game week 36. All right, Bucks, we're going to conclude the end of part one of this podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're both looking at green arrows. You're absolutely having a belter of a week. I find myself in the top 10K for the first time this season at this moment in time and have three players to go in the North London Derby. So I'm optimistic as well. Best of luck in double game week 37. And we'll be back in your airwaves with part two soon. Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast for part two of Double Game Week 36 recap and Double Game Week 37 preview. This is going to be a quick solo pod as it's just me, John Bucks, here tonight as Brian is off gallivanting at a friend's bachelor party. Hope he's having a great time. Game Week 36. And man, what a massive, exciting points filled double game week it was. And with the results of the North London Derby, which we'll talk about shortly, it remains all to be played for in the final two game weeks. So the premier league spots at the top of the table for champions league qualification are still up for grabs. And there's still so much to be played for also at the bottom of the table as relegation drop zone uh, spots are yet to be determined as well. So with that, let's look at our official scores in double game week 36. First off is Brian. He ends up on 123 points from his first free hit chip. Most importantly for him is he's now vaulted into the top 9,000 spots overall uh, with an almost 3,000 place green arrow. Congrats to Brian. Right now he is eyeing his highest and best ever finish in the FPL game. That's uh, now in his seventh season. So uh, it's been a long time coming and this has been a dream season for Brian. However, the 123 points that he scored in double game week 36 really don't tell the full tale because he had mentioned to you, our listeners, that he was going to be captaining Kevin De Bruyne and Kevin De Bruyne had a massive double game week, one of the best performances in a single game week ever in the FPL game with 30 points. Last minute, Brian tinkered and switched the captain's armband from KDB to Mo Salah. And that was a massive differential of 54 points. Uh, Confidently, I could say that Brian would be within the top 5,000 overall had he not made this switch, but uh, still having a dream season. And yeah, the fact that he even got a green arrow at such a high rank is impressive considering that almost 65% of the top 10,000 managers who play the FPL game used a chip in double game week 36 and almost 4,000 of them used bench boost, which means they had four extra players than Brian and I. So uh, massive golf clap for Brian. Congratulations. He's still leading the charge in the FPL blues podcast, though it's now much tighter at the top than it was. All right. Next up is my team's performance. I absolutely smashed double game week 36. I end up on 155 points all out from my free hit and KDB captain was the big differential. Uh, I got this decision right. And that's why my score looks so sexy. Uh, So he had 60 points and I ended up on a green arrow of almost 50,000 places. Uh, Basically cut my game week rank, my overall rank in half. So I'm now 
at 45,000 overall. Uh, so really proud to have broken into the top 50,000 places. And I'm really having a really nice resurgence in the last three game weeks. I'm up uh, from about 160,000 all the way to 45,000. So really happy with that. And some of my differentials were really the uh, ones that dictated such a massive green arrow. I mentioned the KDB captaincy. He got 60 total. Luis Diaz for 15 and Niketia also with 15. So uh, that's massive. I mean, 90 points from players who are very lightly owned in the FPL game. That was the differential I needed. And yeah, really, really pleased and plussed about where my arrow on the season is going. I'm hoping that I'll be able to break into the top 30K by season's end, considering that both Brian and I still have one free hit remaining that we'll be using in the final match week, game week 38. Last but not least, let's talk about the manager of the game week and a huge congratulations needs to go out to one manager, Harrison Goodman, his side, Good Kev Man City. He is a Man City supporter, uh, had a massive, successful bench boost and captaincy combo. He ends up on 172 points all out. Harrison captain KDB, his team's namesake, for 60. He had Kane and Niketia each add 15. Cancelo and his bench keeper, Ben Foster, each add 14. Joel Matip with 11. Schmeichel with 8. Davies and Amarty each with six, Kulu, Tony, KDH each with five, and TAA adds four. So of his 15-man squad, only Sala and Brownhill blanked in double game week 36. So uh, congratulations again to Harrison. This scoreline actually gave him a 150,000 spot green arrow up to 140,000 in the world. So congratulations to you, Harrison. Uh, do want to also just make an honorable mention to Trevor Kukler. His team, baby-faced Reds, also smashed double game week 36 bench boost, and he totaled 171 points all out. Uh, the only thing that kept him from being the manager of the game week was a failed uh, minus four transfer hit. Uh, otherwise, he was on 175 points without that minus four hit. All right. The biggest match of double game week 36 happened to be the last one. And that was the North London Derby rescheduled due to COVID from earlier in the season. Uh, massive showing from the Spurs home crowd. It was a packed new White Hart Lane. And it was interesting because this was a weird setting to have such a massive matchup happen. But unfortunately, only one of the teams actually showed up to play the match. And that was the Spurs. Uh, their fans showed up, the team showed up, Conte showed up. Everyone was in great spirits if you were a Spurs supporter because they absolutely dominated this match behind a first half Kane brace. And, you know, it's always good. Young Min Sun gets an assist. He's massively owned in FPL. And then he adds to his amazing season goal tally by scoring one himself. So Spurs win 3-0, uh, and the Gunners really put a flop-like performance out on the pitch today under the bright lights. And so what this means is that there's only one point separating Spurs and Arsenal going into the final two games of the season. And that means that the race for Champions League qualifying position is still wide open. Now, the story of this game uh, wasn't just on the goal sheets. It really was impacted more than we needed by the refereeing here. Uh, Rob Holding, he was getting 
yellow card level tackles left and right. He must have had four or five that could have gotten a card, uh, but he gets a soft uh, eventual second yellow card booking uh, for a red card. And then later in the match, Gabrielle has to leave the pitch uh, with what looked like a hamstring injury. So that's going to really complicate matters for Arsenal for the run-in as they right now have no fully fit center backs because uh, Ben White is still recovering. Obviously, Rob Holding is going to miss out and Gabrielle was first choice uh, and he's no longer fit. So that is going to be extremely difficult for Arteta to manage as they have a challenging trip to Newcastle. Uh, they're going to be traveling where Newcastle play really strong at home. So that's a tough match. And then they end the season uh, at home against Everton. I expect Everton will have uh, clawed out of the drop zone. They will be fully safe by that point in time. So they, they really just need to focus and put all their attention right now on that Newcastle match. Cause that is a doozy. And, you know, honestly, it's hard to feel optimistic for, Arsenal coming out of such a poor North London Derby, but it wasn't all bad news in double game week 36 for Arsenal. They dispatched leads pretty easily 2-1 in the opening match. Uh, Niketia had a brace and, you know, leads end up getting a straight red card from Luke Ayling. So they just, they kept the, the motor running uh, and saw off that game. It got nervy at the end uh, because leads were able to hit in a, goal from a corner kick when they were down to 10 men, but I think pretty comfortable sailing for Arsenal. Uh, For Spurs, on the other hand, it was a massive double game week for them. I mean, they had one of the performances of the season, I would say, for Conte specifically, uh, when they played at Anfield against Liverpool in their opening match. And I think Conte well outclassed Klopp in this performance. Uh, Tottenham, they parked the bus, but they were always ready to be counter-attacking. And I think, honestly, the results are flattering to Liverpool because uh, Tottenham will feel like they were hard done to not leave Anfield with all three points. And obviously, if they got those three points and then dominated the North London Derby the way they did, they'd be uh, comfortably in fourth place right now, not the other way around. So um, really cagey match from Spurs and you know they worked an incredible uh counterattack with Sun getting the finishing goal from a Sessignon assist. And honestly, the only thing that could have wiped away a full glory celebration was that huge deflection that Luis Diaz ended up getting to land in the back of the net. So I think they knew what they had to do coming into the North London Derby. A draw would be flattering for Arsenal and was a result that would pretty much end Spurs' chances at. Champions League, and they came out and showed that they had the right level of focus. They were hungry from the start, and Kane gets a brace within 20 minutes in the first half. As I mentioned, there was some suspect refereeing, and you know, most Mo Salah, he better be strapping on his boots and ready to put in some goals because Young Min Sung is nipping at his heels. He's just one back now. He has 21 goals. Young Min Sung does all from open play, which is by far the most in the Premier League this season. And Mo Salah sitting on 22 goals, but he hasn't scored in some time. So a lot to play for for Spurs. Obviously, Champions League qualification would be massive for a club like them who've been doing some interesting transfer business and want to keep Harry Kane at White Hart Lane. And, you know, bonus would be if Sun can get some goals and 
really push Mo Salah for that golden boot race. I think that would be a huge season and a really successful season for Spurs. Uh, lastly, we should just note that Spurs have their final matches. They play Burnley and then away to Norwich. So I think safe to say uh, myself and the bookies and really any casual Premier League fan will be expecting that that's an easy six points for them uh, to turn around in the table. Whereas Arsenal have uh, slightly more challenging matches. They travel to Newcastle, as I mentioned, and then they host Everton. But the pressure is now solely on Arsenal and what is a very young side under Mikel Arteta. So uh, should be really exciting. Top performers from the North London Derby and from Spurs and Arsenal in double game week 36 is as follows. Youngman Sung with 20 points behind two goals, an assist, a clean sheet, and two bonus points. Harry Kane gets 15 points, two goals, and three bonus points, all pretty much from uh, the North London Derby, where he is Mr. North London Derby. He officially has the most goals uh, all time uh, in that match. And finally, Niketia put on a really good shift, uh, bright young player. I think he has a lot of upside. Uh, he was making a lot of runs and causing some issues for Spurs in the beginning of the match. He ends up on 15 points behind two goals and three bonus. Transfer plans and captain armband selection. Let's dive into Brian's transfer moves. He has one free transfer and 2.5 million in the bank. And Chin Nation, my co-host who is smashing this season, he's eyeing up a double game week attacker to come in and replace Armando Broja. Uh, right now, he's eyeing up a move for Danny Ings, who's priced at 7.7 million at a straight swap. And depending on the FA Cup final results, and the report from Pep on the extent of Laporte's leg injury, he's open to potentially taking a hit to bring in a second Villa defender, uh, maybe Lucas Dean, uh, and take a hit to attack the double game week that way. Uh, right now, he has Hyungman Sung as his captain. For me, not so much is doing. I have one free transfer and 0.2 million in the bank coming off my free hit. I'm likely going to take a hit in double game week 37 to try and get some more fit and nailed on double game week players. Right now, I'm eyeing a slightly sideways move of Saka and Mateta to Zaha and Gelhart. However, I should say that I have a couple of flag players in my team. So I'm going to wait as long as possible to see what the managers have to say about Ollie Watkins and Vincent Gaita, my goalkeeper. And if they're fit to play, uh, that makes my plan a lot easier. Right now, I have the captaincy on Mo Salah. Uh, I think this could be an opportunity for him to be slightly differential, considering people are scarred by his failed captain selection in double game week 36 plus the FA Cup looms. I'm hoping that Mo Salah has an opportunity to get right in the FA Cup final and yeah, pour it on against Southampton, who are right now the worst defense in the league. All right, with that, that concludes our quick part two roundup. Thank you for listening. Thank you for getting involved with the FPL Blues Podcast Super League. We really appreciate your input, your activity, and your engagement. So follow us on social media at FPL Blues Podcast. And thanks, everyone. Mm -hmm.